Hi, this is Marlene with Miami Ghost Chronicles, and I want to welcome you to another episode of Stories of the Supernatural. Wherever you find us, whether it's a video on YouTube or on your favorite podcast platform, please like and subscribe to us so that you can get notification of when a new show is released. You can also find us on major social media platforms where I give you a heads up about upcoming shows and which date and time they will be aired. If you go to MiamiGhostChronicles.com, you can find links to the shows, MP3 files which you can download, or links to your favorite platform like iTunes, Spreaker, SoundCloud, and all other major sources. You can find information for upcoming and past talk show appearances as well as new book projects at MarlenePardo.com. You can also purchase books and merchandise there. And you can visit my author page on Amazon at Marlene Pardo Pelliser. Due to popular demand, I'm narrating my True Believer stories that have collected throughout the years in a new series called Supernatural Storytime. You can find links at SupernaturalStoryTime.com. If you are into classic horror, ghosts, and adventure stories, I narrate some of those at Nightshade Diary. And you can find links at NightshadeDiary.com. If you would like to read noteworthy news about the paranormal world, true crime, conspiracy stories, and anything that is just plain weird, you can visit the Stranger Than Fiction Stories tab at MiamiGhostChronicles.com. I do want to thank you all for being part of my audience, and I think you are all wonderful. Hi everybody, this is Marlene with Miami Ghost Chronicles Stories of the Supernatural. How are you all doing today? Good. I'm doing good. You know... I know everybody always, I, I, I get these, <laughs> I get these messages, these emails saying, hey, don't forget to fill us in on what's happening at the, at your little farm there. And so that's why I always throw this in here. You know, we're, even though you won't see this for a little bit, you know, it's high summer here in South Florida, which means a lot, a lot of rain. As a matter of fact, we've got two, uh, like depressions off the coast of Florida, but you know, like North of Miami so it's not any danger as far as a hurricane but it's producing bucketfuls of rain and last night as a matter of fact the the electricity went out for like six hours right at about the time we were going to go to sleep which means no AC so it was kind of like crazy but yeah it just gave me a hurricane flashback kind of thing but anyway guys yeah it's good for the farm in the sense of great for the trees I got to do uh, a lot of, but everything grows along with it. Besides the trees, weeds, everything that you don't want to grow grows. And then, you know, but like I said, this is the, uh, <laughs> this is what you, the, the learning curve on becoming, even if it's a micro farmer, believe me, after doing this, you be, you really admire those big farmers, that ones with a lot of land, you really, really do because it's a lot of hard work. But anyway, guys, let's talk about what we're here today for, which is my guest, Okay, and I know you're going to be super excited to find out who I've got. This is a lady who, her name is Mary Marshall. Now, Mary is a natural intuitive. She's an empath. She's been developing her psychic medium abilities. She also helped uh, institute and develop one of the first paranormal studies program in the country. That is taught in an institute of higher education. And you know, I've mentioned it before in other shows, especially for those of us that have worked in the paranormal field for many years this is a far cry once upon a time uh you were lucky if you didn't get away with a funny look just for bringing up stuff you know paranormal stuff unless you were telling a ghost story but nothing whatsoever as far as um actual classes 
she has over 20 years experience and uh, as a paranormal investigator and researcher. She's also the founder and director of the Paranormal MD, which uh, investigations, which is a scientific and technology-based group located in Northwest Illinois. She's produced and hosted her own talk show radio titled The Paranormal MD, which is available also as a radio podcast. She's appeared as a guest on Quest, which is a PBS talk show, Dark Coffin Classic, Psycho Babble, All Fired Up, Haunting History, and in the documentary uh, on the Wisconsin Bigfoot Finding Jay, which was released recently, June 1st of 2019. And she's been featured on TV news stations and newspapers. She's also an author. Her book, Continuum, is a sci-fi romantic adventure involving time travel. One of my favorites. Uh, available at Amazon and Barnes & Noble. She's currently working on a sequel to Continuum titled Forever After. She also has a nonfiction book which is slated to be released uh, year after next called Paranormal Entanglement, which is based on all she has researched and learned in regards to the paranormal ufology, cryptozoology, science, metaphysical as it pertains to paranormal phenomena. And uh, we'll repeat the, the website address at the end, and it's going to be in the credits of the show, but uh, it's going to be theparanormalmd.com, www.theparanormalmd.com. So... Let us welcome Mary to the show. How are you doing today, Mary? Thank you. I'm doing good, and thank you. That was such a nice introduction. On the contrary, it is my pleasure to have you as a guest. And as I was explaining to you, you know, what I usually ask all my guests is, how did you get involved in this field? Childhood experience, something that happened to you as an adult, or just one of those things that goes beyond becoming just a hobby? What happened? It's probably a combination of things um, in that you have experience. I had experiences mm-hmm. um, that were unexplained and intrigued me. But I think early on for misguided on my part, religious reasons, um, there's certain things that I kind of I kind of stayed out of it. Okay. Um and then more things continued. Plus, I've always had intuitive mediumship abilities, mm-hmm. and that was always intriguing to me because it's, I am so left equal, yes. left and right brained, in that I'm, you know, I'm anical and anical. I'm logical and analytical, and so curious. But also, you know, that that more spiritual, creative side. And so a lot of it just came to a point where I just needed to know more from in a personal sense. And then as a result, it, you know, it, it sort of grew from there. So I started just then doing initially a lot of armchair research, if you will. And back then, that was, you know, before the Internet. Right. So, or in the very early stages, so it wasn't a lot out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and what, what I was finding was all very much in a very spiritual, um, metaphysical way for us explaining things. And so I started to, you know, just get more and more curious. So I eventually joined a group and then left the group and started my own because I wanted to go a different direction. I wanted to start, which is what I was doing, the things that I was learning um, in 
physics or even neurology, which, which I studied in relation to paranormal activity. Mm-hmm. For that matter, when you're talking about that type of stuff and you're talking about quantum physics, right. uh, quantum entanglement, that starts involving now as it's just, just really in the last couple of years and yes. now coming to the forefront of how the consciousness and mind can be part of that quantum entanglement, uh, you know, quantum uh, physics and theories. And it's, it's, again, the scientists themselves, many are not going to talk about that, but oh, nonetheless, no, no, no. Uh, there are, yeah, there's a lot that do. But yeah, so it just really sort of developed, you know, one it was just one step at a time where having experiences having also the abilities which I did not talk about uh, really you know few select people over the years would know and I was always pushing that away pushing it away pushing it away um, really again um, initially over at the time religious beliefs and then later on as I became more public uh, into the public eye right. via teaching and lecturing and, and so on and so forth I did still keep it on the back burners. And the reason for that was, you know, is because a lot of the people that I would get into my classes, and I'm not talking about people at conferences or events where you mm-hmm. lecture, they're there, they're usually there because there's believers of some type. Right. But I would have class where I would have, I had two atheists, um, someone who most closely identified with Buddhism, Uh, you know, Catholic, you know, a whole array. Now you have to be, you're coming across a lot. And and a lot of people who are beyond skeptical, you know, they're, they were just like, I, I'm just kind of checking out to see what this is. Those are the people that I wanted to reach the ones that are on the fence. And if I, unfortunately, if at the time I had said, Oh, and by the way, you know, I'm an intuitive medium. Yes, that, they would that's have it. went. Oh, that's too way too woo woo for mm-hmm. me. Yeah, and and but not out of the picture. At a certain point, I decided for my really own well being because it gets to be very taxing to not address the mediumship. Mm-hmm. Um, at a certain point, I decided to come out of the closet <laughs> about yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, that, that's exactly um, what you have to do, really. Yeah, and it, it, you know, and you know that there's going to be some people that are going to turn away, but sure. I felt like there, it was a time where I had established myself enough credibility-wise, mm-hmm. um, you know, as a sincere investigator researcher looking at all aspects from science to the metaphysical um, that it, I could do it. I could finally do it, and quite honestly, I started to have the experience from the, as the intuitive medium and seeing how healing, you know, having personal experiences with people and seeing how healing it is. Yes. And that was, you know, who doesn't want to do good for other people? Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so it just became that, all right, it's time. I need to, I need to bring this into the mix and actively, you know, get better at doing this so that I can be a better use to people, better service. Mm-hmm. 
Exactly. And people don't realize that, especially when it comes to healing, this is the opposite side of logic of, let's say, what you know, when you were talking about these people, like if you're going to talk about it, it's got to all be on the logical end of the spectrum versus healing is what you said. There's more of a yeah. physical, spiritual aspect to it. Absolutely. And it's, it's been, it's a learning and also I'm just, you know, it's the learning curve of, for me, like I noticed, I still have occasionally have issues with this of editing myself and you can't, those two sides, that logical and analytical side got to be put to bed. Yeah. You know, when you're doing any type of, uh, you know, read or connection with this, with spirit, because I found it very troublesome because as it was occurring, I'm almost editing myself and questioning, how, well, like, what? Like, how, like, how did I get this? You know, kind of right. thing or whatever it is. So, yeah, it's been kind of an interesting trying to learn that balance. Um, right. In other and, words, and it's like, yeah, you're, you're, you're it, anticipating trying to make happy the person that's going to be put off or start questioning your message versus using all your abilities. And it's like, okay, you know, it's not really my problem. It's your problem as in the other person. Uh, if you're going to discount what yeah. I'm going to say, my message, because I identify myself, let's say, with psychic or you know, being a medium. Yeah. Yes. I say I really do. Think, and I think that there has been a little bit of fallout still as a result mm -hmm. of that. Um, because here's the thing. I think initially, too, you know, some people were like, what? Like, you, you know, they've known me for years. And it's like, what, yeah. now all of a sudden you're all right. on medium? And it's like, no, it's not all of a sudden. I just am coming out about it now. Um, you know, I used it all the time when I would do my own investigations mm -hmm. or be attending other ones. There was an occasion. Um, and then part of it, too, is that I've met some really good people that have encouraged me along the way. Um, that made a huge difference. Not only in first accepting, then encouraging, um, and that was that was really important too. But like even I think it was uh, a little over a year ago, I had done a, did a event with the uh, Booth Brothers. Right. Yes. Um, they had a, a thing at them, and so that was really my coming out weekend, if you will. Um, you know, and realizing, oh my gosh, you know, like in that, that almost person, because I'm so skeptic, skeptical in general, mm -hmm. that even with myself, you know, I was like, right. oh, okay, I guess this is real, you know, like, like this is happening. Okay, I'll just I'll go with it. Um, but, but you know what, Mary, like there, I, there was, I'm going to jump to real quick this. One of, the, one of the things, and you know, I, I've been doing investigations since the 1990s, and you know what happens? Part of it is the stereotypes. In other words, you got to either be one or the other. Either you're the hardcore analytical skeptic type, which means you are absolutely not psychic, or you're the psychic woo-woo type who's like walks around like, oh, you know, the, the vibrations. And it's like either one or the other. You can't be both. And what you're describing is that you can be both. 
yes. Yes. And it, even for myself, like I said, learning that balance to pre- try to present it and present myself, all of me, um, because there was, yeah, you just, you just, you do run into that a lot of times. I mean, it, it's just one of those situations with people, how they're, they're going to perceive mm-hmm. what you're doing. I have to say, honestly, though, I still find it fascinating that other side, that lot, you know, the, the analytical side or logical side, when it's occurring, I have to, to, like I said, kind of watch it because I feel like I'm my own experiment right now. Right. In that as things, I kind of testing them out, not just to learn or grow, but, hmm, well, how, right. what can, what sense can I make out of this, you know? <laughs> and sometimes you just, there just isn't any sense, you know, but you do, but it's something that I've used, you know, like I said, at this event with them, um, with the Booth Brothers is that they had gotten some really great evidence in this one room because at one point I decided to speak up and I went to Philip and said, um, if you're looking at, he had the SLS camera, Mm -hmm. you know, with the stick figures. Right. And I said, if you're wanting, I go to go in this room, there's, there's somebody in there. And sure enough, he came in with a camera and that was interesting for me mm-hmm. as a as a medium, right? You know that it was like son of a gun. Now the yes. other my other side of the brain went. See, there was there was something yes. to justify this, you yes. know, as he was catching in the interaction mm-hmm. with this entity that was in there, this boy, this young uh, male. But it was it was an interesting. It's been an interesting journey. I'll say that through all of this. You know what? I, I, I tell everybody that your body, you know, and, and I'm going to say apart from the psychic, when you, you know, when you're a sensitive or a psychic or a medium, whatever the case might be. And I tell everybody, you know what? I was doing investigations when you had to pay to develop film. Yeah. There once upon a time you had to actually pay to develop film. You know, in other words, long before there was a lot of the, the gadgets that we have nowadays to capture evidence. And believe it or not, a very good instrument was your human body as as far as the feelings you got. You know, I'm not going to tell you some people, but if you were a person that was pretty well grounded and uh, kind of like knew how to read your body, your body sometimes is a great tuning fork for when the paranormal is either present or going to manifest something. Uh, and I think a lot of times, unfortunately, we've discounted right. the human experience when they do these investigations. Uh, and I think psychics uh, are essential in a team or sensitive at the very least. Hmm. Yes, yes and no. I think it depends on the focus of the team. Okay. And I say that because here's what's interesting. I never, well, I, I can't say that, I guess now. I was going to say, I never had a psychic medium on my team, okay. not counting myself. Right. Um, but I didn't even really talk about it with a lot of the team members until after, and it got to a smaller group, and, and then I, you know, kind of would bring stuff up. And I, because if you're trying, I still have this idea when I run an investigation of 
having certain protocols and controls. Right. So I still look at it and try as best as I can to use the scientific method, um, the basis of it. You can't do it exactly because you can't repeat it over and over the same thing. Right. But and try to set it up so that the evidence that is gained is like in a technology sense that you're getting that video or audio mm-hmm. or graph reads of, you know, electromagnetic fields or barometer changes, whatever, because I think we do need to have that. And it's very important and left as a standalone and whatever data is collected, if it's done in such a way, like a public investigation, that's great for the public, but that's not really a true investigation because there's no control. No, there isn't. isn't. And what I mean by that is, if I had a, a, a paranormal investigation, every single person that was in that location with me is wearing a body mic. It goes on from the point you walk in. Uh, why do I do that? Because it is really the only absolute, in an absolute sense, true way to say something is an EVP or not. Right. If I catch something on my audio recorder, and there's a voice on there, somebody would be like, well, that's cool, but now if I can produce three more recordings of people in that room, but only one of them has that voice on it, that's your comparison. That's what you need. Right, Look right. at same conversation, same time stamps. Or when you have your video, your any entrances or exits into the room as well as using room recorders where you're going to place it in view of the camera again why because i know i didn't do it didn't you know leave some mysterious message on the recorder nor did anybody else there but how does anybody on the outside know that right that you can guarantee no contamination exactly absolutely right right so it's i do have that but I do agree with you that there is a value in having, I think sometimes beforehand, having a psychic medium go through and give their opinion um, either before and or after, during, again, yeah, but again, yeah, there is a value during. I guess it just depends on the focus. Because sometimes it's really helpful if you know who you're talking to, you're going to engage that other side or spirit more right. than and, just saying, and, hey, is there anybody here? And you know what? What I meant by that is because I've worked a lot of groups throughout the years, and sometimes there wasn't, how can I say, like an official psychic, but somehow or other, there was always somebody on the team that for some reason was a little bit more sensitive. And it was almost like everybody, when this person said, oh, you know, like made a comment, you kind of knew like this person usually is the first one in the group even though their capacity was not technically you know as a team member psychic or sensitive or medium that for some reason they were the first ones that would pick up physically on something shifting or changing on a metaphysical plane that sometimes a person you know that in other words okay you know and this i think also this happens when you've worked within a team or with a group of people for a bit that you kind of know. And then there's other people that are that I call their nails. I mean, 
you know, it could be a metaphysical freight train that could run through the through the room, and they just they don't they don't pick up on it. But that's just the way they are. Um, yeah, yeah, and you know what? It's interesting because one we you brought that up because something that set me checking on, and it has not panned out as anything solid, but as far as evidence. And what this is is years ago, um, I was testing myself out privately. So it was me, um, one other uh, investigator friend who was on the team at the time, and then the person who knew about this location. Mm-hmm. So I went in there, didn't know anything. At a certain point, it was kind of funny, because again, I'm learning at this point, he says, I was just nailing it, you know, one thing after the other. And he says, are you reading my mind? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know how this works. Yeah. You know, we, when we started laughing. But at one point, I was in contact with a vagrant that was uh, a spirit that was there. Okay. And the, the woman I was with, and I didn't know it, just as this was happening, I started to uh, start started this physical response where, you know, people talk about getting goosebumps and mm-hmm. hair standing on it. Mm-hmm. As soon as somebody, I started to get this and I'm like, oh, this is my cue. Somebody's yes. here right now. It's not my imagination, you know, kind of mm-hmm. thing, because I would just get goosebumps over my whole body. Yes. And it was like 80 something degrees in this place. Right. So she passed by me in the hallway and she had an EMS meter with her. She didn't tell me, but when she passed me, that spiked. And that later on, I found out about it, and I was like, "That's interesting." I wonder then, it would stand to reason that if a medium is in contact with a, a spirit and they're present, just like it happened by you know when she found, did it by accident, just yeah. passing me, that maybe you should get an electro an EMS read. This particular time it happened, but since then, it has not, it's nothing that's consistent. So it goes back into my science side of questioning, hmm, you know, wait a minute. So how am I, how are we physically responding Mm -hmm. with goosebumps? Right. That something in the energy has changed, yet nothing is showing on a meter. So I'm still still intrigued by that. Sure, sure. And and you know what? And I totally understand what you're saying as far as a control. When you're trying to, you know, not when you're doing a regular investigation. When basically you're trying to gather proof evidence that can be. And, and that's the problem. That it tells them, you know, the disbelievers, the skeptic. The supernatural by its very nature cannot be duplicated on demand. In other words, uh, there's so much we don't understand that maybe we just don't. We can't reproduce it and say, you know what, I'm going to get this to happen all over again and again and again. And then I'm going to have all these, like you said, in a controlled, uh, let's say, an experiment or, you know, location or whatever. And I'm going to have everything and I, and I can capture it over and over and over again. And it's like by its very nature. Yeah. But then, you, like you said, you have the skeptics that unless you can produce that, it's like, nah, you know, this is just a lot of coincidence. Uh, contamination, stuff picking up on, ra- I mean, they'll come up with just about everything, radio waves, uh, EMFs being picked up by electrical sources that, uh, you know, that people are not aware yeah. of, uh, you name it. And it's, yeah, it's a very fine line when you're trying to 
get the scientific uh, proof on, a, on something like this. And then I think, and you, and you made a very good point, Mary, now with the, well, with, psych, with the uh, physics point of it that they're coming out with, well, you know what? Physics might be able to explain all these things that people for many years, hundreds of years sometimes, have been describing as either ghost or phenomena or, you know, uh, you know, on a port, whatever, there there might be some actual way that it can be explained with physics. And, you know, of course, that we're realizing that stuff that yeah. appears solid is not really solid. Right, right. And, you know, the thing, too, with, uh, interestingly, is that of all the paranormal things out there, psychic mediumship is the one thing that actually has been studied the most and and proved out the most because you can take a medium and stick them into a lab room Mm -hmm. and repeat over and over looking at things like brain waves, other parts of the brain shutting down, other parts becoming more active. Now, can they tell you, it's always an interesting, can they tell you what's happening? No, but they know something's different. It's changing when they say, when a medium says it's changing. And, and what I mean by that, it's sort of like I've, I've used in my classes. We talk about, you know, science, not a lot of times like crossing that line over into what many would consider paranormal because, you know, they're afraid that other things that are theoretical they're working on isn't going to pan out. The interesting part is, is if you look at something like dreams, mm-hmm. dreams could our dreams haven't been proven that they exist. Right. And people are like, well, that's crazy uh, uh, because we all have them. We know this. Well, what they can do, is, what they have done is they, someone sleeping, they notice changes in their brain waves, certain parts becoming active, other parts not as much. Then they wake them up and say, what's going on? Oh, right. I was having a dream. Okay, and so basically I'm simplifying it. This is how they learn. But the bottom line is those tests don't prove dreams exist. It proves that what people are telling them is happening is hap- some, they, that, that more than likely is what's happening because we're seeing these brainwaves change. So if you look at the same thing with psychic mediums, they can't prove, they'll never be able to prove that it is a real thing in a science way. But what mm-hmm. they can t- do is, hey, you're telling me this is what's going on. You're in contact with the spirit. And where the correlation is here is your brain waves have changed. Right. And this is a consistent pattern. Right. Exactly. So it, it's a real strange thing. But we all believe in dreams because we've all had them. Yes. It's just that not everybody's had the other experiences, and so that kind of puts a, a deficit in it. But kind of just to mention one thing that you talked about, in general with the whole paranormal, is most of the time, I mean, I've cross-trained myself in other fields such as cryptozoology or and, and ufology. The common thread among them all 
And really, the only common, I mean, I want to say that, I shouldn't say that, it's not the only common thing, but the main is it's now you see it, now you don't. Right. What is going on in that in itself? That's the common link. Why is each, whether you're talking about Bigfoot or a ghost Mm -hmm. or UFO or whatever it is, ET possibly, now you see it, now you don't. Um, now I have you go back to science again and start looking for how is this possible? Right, and, and at and, this point, yeah, at and, this juncture, the only thing is interdimensional. Yes, of course, of course, absolutely. It's exactly interdimensional. It takes, you, it takes you exactly there, exactly, and, and you know whether whether it, interdimensional is accidental or intentional by one group or the other we right. don't know you know i mean that, that that's the part we we were like okay it, let's 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 uh hypothetically let's say that there is something as interdimensional travel is it something is a doorway that can be opened and closed you know by something someone or is it something that just opens for some reason in certain places at certain times and then that's when you see certain sightings like you said and all of a sudden it evaporates whether it's a cryptid or a ufo or something you know i mean even people that have had let's say battlefield you know uh scenes you know and then there's nothing there what is it is it something or is it a combination of both is something being able to come in from one dimension to the other and when it opens a doorway other things slip through you know like when you open the door and your dog gets out even though you weren't didn't want it to get through yeah. I, mean, I mean, there's so many ways yeah. that that could play out. And you kind of touched on something. I think we tend to, in general, in the field, have do ourselves a disservice by trying to find the answer mm-hmm. to the problem. Because I don't think that there is one answer. Right. Meaning that residual hauntings, uh, meaning they're non-interactive, it plays like a film loop or an audio loop over and over, and it happens whether you're there or not. Right. Initially, people thought this is a full-bodied, you know, uh, or not, or, you know, these are apparitions, this is energy that's trapped, it's left behind, certainly could be the cause. But some of those cases may be due to a time, the time-space continuum. Yes, yes. Meaning... We're looking through a portal, one-sided, you know, like a looking mm-hmm. glass kind of thing. You're looking, and we're seeing um, a scene, you know, and I always use this example, but a woman, you know, in period, 1800 period clothing comes down the stairs, you know, goes to the stove, picks up a pot and turns, and she fades away. This happens over and over. Right. Well, maybe we're actually looking at, a point in time yes you know september 3rd at 3 33 p.m in 1933 and that's all we're seeing is that same 30 seconds play over and over and over doesn't mean that there isn't a whole world happening just like we have happening it right now it's just that we're not privy to seeing beyond that point so in the case of just saying residual is it this i it, some of the cases may be that but i don't think that's all of them some of them may be residual energy that is playing itself out. Shadow people, another example. Yeah. We don't know what they are. No, no. 
I've had cases where I've had no EVPs, nothing, other than people reporting the feeling of being watched and actually seeing shadow people. Mm-hmm. They're watchers. Yes. Yes. It, for all we know, it may not be a human. It may, if it's not human, or is it human and we're looking at something again that's in your dimensional, all the time is occurring at once. Is it somebody from, it could be us for all we know in the future. Yeah, yeah. I mean, sometimes. You know, 500 years from now, hearing that. I think sometimes also that, you know, of course, you know, obviously we're relying on our five senses, but like you were talking about the residual, let's say you have a smell, like let's say coffee, you know, brewing or baking, and you ask yourself, how, how does that work? It's just a smell or, you know, a sound. Let's say certain times you'll get, the noise of somebody going up and downstairs maybe something that was done repetitively you know in an older home or something that was there even if the structure has been demolished and you ask yourself how does that work and i'm thinking to myself i think that sometimes if we could actually see it i do think places have like a fabric which things like this imprint itself there we just don't see it okay and maybe at that time for many 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 years maybe they would bake bread or brew coffee or maybe these were stairs that were used continuously for years and years and years and years. And like you said, there's no intelligence behind it, but for some reason, this imprinted itself into the fabric of that place. Even if let's say that staircase has been demolished and you ask yourself, how am I hearing? Which is, you know, of course, that sometimes goes along with, you know, uh, apparitions that are seen at floor levels that don't exist anymore. It's almost like, it escapes what we normally can see, but it's still there. Even in our dimension, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. It's in our dimension. Just, we just don't perceive it. And uh, it's just there. Like yeah. you said, it's like a loop. It's, there's no, you know, how can I say? No soul, no, no, you know, a discarnate that's, you know, stuck in a loop. It's just something built on repetition. Yeah, and you know, taking it a little, you know, into something like uh, Bigfoot. Yes. Because I get asked, and I, you know, did the documentary where, and I started the investigating for one reason, mm-hmm. and continued it, okay. um, because there's all kinds of things going on out there. It wasn't just, you know, Bigfoot. It was these extreme light anomalies, mm-hmm. EVP. Um, Right. Time loss, all different strange things going on. But if you were to take, when I was getting involved, I would have a lot of conversations and listen, observe. And I heard um, a couple that were are kind of known in the, the field talking about a story where they're in the woods and they see this red pair of eyes Okay. And then this jolt of energy passed through them and proceeded to go on talking about Bigfoot. I found that really interesting because if I could have relayed that exact wordings of the story, but put it into a haunted location, mm-hmm. if that same thing was experienced by someone in a haunted location, they would have attributed it to a ghost. Exactly. Not a Bigfoot. Right. So those commonalities, again, of what's happening. So when, a lot of times I get, I've gotten asked, do you believe in Bigfoot? I think the bigger question here I always say is, what is a Bigfoot? 
Good question. Is it an interdimensional being? Is it a ghost? Mm -hmm. People are like, well, it can't be a ghost because I've seen it. I've heard it. People have had conversations with dead people that aren't there. Meaning that, like, you know, there was at, um, I I don't want maybe I shouldn't say the name, but there was a a haunted location, a known haunted location Mm -hmm. that's in the middle of a field. Yes. Nothing around. And people had come in and said, oh, um, you know, I was talking to your care, the you know, caregiver. Here, the property, and he was telling me, blah, blah. I was just talking to a gentleman outside. There was no gentleman outside. Like, yeah. was, <laughs> you, that was that solid. Yeah. Yes. Right. He was. But here, he not, which. Again, even as a believer and investigator, absolutely astounds me and want to know how this is possible. Like, how could you have a ghost up close and in your, you know, face and not recognize having a conversation and not know that that's not a real person? That's that's incredible. And so, you know, you do get into a lot of these. You know, situations where, for me, it's now become my more of my focus. Because you know what? When I started out, we were I was working a lot of home as an investigator, home cases. Mm-hmm. That's all I did. Right. There were very, very. I don't even know if they had any pay in play places back then, mm-hmm. but soon they did come on board. Well, now that's. 90% of what everybody's investigating rather than homes. Yes. So it's a different focus. My focus turned from, which I still, if there is a case where a family needs help, I certainly yeah. am all over doing that. Yes. Um, but, you know, now it's sort of changed into the science side of it going, how is this happening? We know all, because I always, and I'm going to use this, I hate to do this again, but I always use the Bigfoot because I is one of the most skeptical and totally understand why things for people, you know, because we think Harry and the Henderson Soul are programming. Um, I was that person. I was that person. My, you know, my good friend, Jay, when we first started going out, I was like, okay, with, you know, What's he up? My see what my crazy friend Jay is up to. You know, jokingly crazy. You know, saying that. But he behind his back, and I tell him this now. Behind his back, I would be like, you know, secretly rolling my eyes. Oh, Bigfoot. You know. Yeah. But then I, I finally realized my own paranormal prejudice of all, yes. all the crazy things that I've talked about and have witnessed. How am I? Why am I here to judge this? More, even more so, in defense of all these people who do go looking for cryptids. The most logical thing we have inside is math, is numbers. They don't lie. Mm-hmm. And the probabilities alone, there are too many people with too many reports. Yes. They all can't be crazy and they all can't be misidentification. Right. People are experiencing something. Yes. What it is, that's to be determined. But probability itself states some of them have to be spot on. 
no. And, 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 so and that's not that's taking into the, the account the people that never even talk about it. Because you know there's a bunch of them that have had experiences. And just he said, I'm never going to tell anybody about this. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, I, you know what? And I've even done that <laughs> for over things. Well, and mediumship would be one of them. Yeah. Keeping quiet about it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's sort of like I always tell people you need to, ch- in the world of how people are going to view things, you need to choose your crazy, you know, yeah, <laughs> kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, and so yes. I was like, all right, yes. how, how am I going to balance this? But yeah, I mean, it's so it's it's one of those for me. And I, like I said, and I and bring it back even to the mediumship, it's the same thing where I feel that it intrigues me as a researcher. It intrigues me, the process. Um, and then something that did get lost, as I was saying in the beginning, you're doing more home cases where you're really working with and helping people. That, that the whole shift is moved, it's shifted, it's moved. And so bringing the mediumship back into it or, or, or out, I should say, allows me to be able to help people again at a personal level while still doing now a more scientific investigative research of the other, of, of paranormal events. Right. And, and, and this is the thing. And let's go with what you were talking about earlier, the Bigfoot, you know, there's, you know, there's going to be people out there that are saying Bigfoot is absolutely a live animal, human, whatever you want to call it. There's nothing metaphysical about it. In other words, you know, this thing about right. it going, you know, from dimension to the other. You're going to have the people that are, no, this is strictly a physical, live thing. Okay. It has nothing to do with ETs. It's a, you know, it's just, it's just really good at camouflage. And it's learned how to stay away from humans. Okay, and then I think we're gonna, like you said, which I think is very plausible, by the way, is the other camp, which is starting to acknowledge. Well, maybe this explains why these cryptids have not been found or captured, or how can they be so elusive? You know, especially now with all these cameras, these cam, you know, trail cams, and all this stuff that people could use, and again, they're not captured. And for example, the other day I was listening. Um, someone talking about dogmen which some people you know consider them like a the uh, what is it a, the, the number three as far as classifications of bigfoot and other people see them as totally separate and uh, somebody i can't remember says oh yeah they're commonly sometimes they seem to be attracted to cemeteries and i was like that's a first i've never heard of that you know it's like this can go yeah. off in so many directions and who's to say well what that's valid or that's invalid uh you never know yeah, and and here's the thing, because there is clearly two camps, so to say, in the the, the Bigfoot and uh, even the in uh, you know Dogman like Beast of Bray Road type right. of of where you've got the ones who say it's like flesh and blood, it's just a species we haven't discovered yet, mm-hmm. and then you have those who go it's interdimensional. Yeah, the reason and you have to go with the, I go with the interdimensional is. Again, I think there might be a multitude of things that people are experiencing. In my opinion, I think that there have been some legitimate cryptid sightings, but some things, again, I saw this big mass 
move like 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 the wind, super fast from tree to tree, mm-hmm. and they attributed it to Bigfoot. Maybe it isn't a Bigfoot. Maybe that is some type of you know energy or or ghost related thing. And maybe they're you know we are in such an infancy right. in all of these fields. Yes. That yes. there's so much to learn and know yet to even make really proper, you know, decisions other than being able to say something's going on. That that part is real, let, but we're not sure what it is. And my only problem with the ones who think that Bigfoot is a species, an animal of some type that we haven't discovered yet. My problem with this is, too, if that were the case, we would find with all the people that are out there. This isn't like some obscure uh, creature animal or something that we nobody's looking for, you right. know, or just those or, or people in the science field. Um, I don't even know, you know, people would be searching for animals and things. This is ton would not get any physical evidence. There would be physical evidence. If there are no bones and there is no hair, then this creature is not living and dying here. Right. And not in the multitude to, to, to fit the amount of sightings. Right. Furthermore, they say, well, there's new species being discovered all the time. Yes. Here's my problem with it. The last discovery. Now, the ocean, we've, you're right, they're absolutely right. Every year since we've gotten into more into the uv range of lighting Mm -hmm. we're we're finding tons and tons of things in the ocean and and even on the ground that we had before but the last one was like around 2002 and it was the size of like a a small cat right yeah we're talking about a 10 foot you know thousand pound 800 pound animal it doesn't have the luxury of yeah. being that small to be undiscovered. So I do have a problem with... Right, no, no, no. A lot of the discoveries of news, new ones is a subspecies of all already and sometimes even an existing something. In other words, yes, it's a species, but it's not totally new, weird. In other, yeah, there have been, but a lot of new discoveries also, like you said, are species or somehow related to already an existing creature, which they can classify it as a separate species. But... It's, you know, like a new discovery, right. like you were saying, hey, we you went know, to the I Amazon mean, and we discovered this new monkey, for example. This, you know. Right. You know, again, areas that are not extremely populated, not everybody's looking for things. Oh, of course. This happens to be one that, you know, is, uh, should be on the radar. I, you know, and one of the things, like recently I was out with, with Jay and we... 15 feet, 12, 15 feet in front of me, it was pitch black. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, and this is what happens, by the way, for people listening, there's a few reasons why it is difficult to get a lot of things on video. Because you're in a true forest, not, yeah. you know, like a forest preserve kind of thing. It's, and where uh, this noise happened, 15 feet in front of me. Did I have my video camera ready? Yes. The <laughs> yes, problem, and I the lighting after sometimes it, is bad. Well, and you can't get in. 
the thick, the brush is yes. so thick. Yes. That's why I like winters. I like to go out in the woods as much as I hate the cold. I like winters better because you can see and you can go to whatever. Now you physically cannot get through this brush because of thorns and how tightly woven it is. You can't get in there to even try to see yes. what's going on. So the best you can do is use like thermal imaging, mm -hmm. try to see our, and that's, that's what we do a lot of times is you hear something, you pull up the thermal camera, is anything showing up on it? Exactly. If not, but if something's behind a tree, we're not gonna see it. But in general, we're not seeing anything. So I hear what sounds like a huge tree branch break. Mm -hmm. And I just sat there and waited for the next because I can't get in there. Right. So I got to wait for it to come to me. And nothing ever happened. We did pull out, by the way, the, seat, the camera. I will say this, the, the depth that this could see to, to where I heard this noise, Something should have showed up on that thermal camera, right? And it didn't. Yes. So again, that makes me go, "This is not a flesh and blood person." Well, it could be, but it, this is not a creature that lives here. Right. This is something that's coming in and can come out. It has the ability to either cloak or move through back into its own universe time dimension whatever the heck right. I, 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 I give everybody just, I, I tell so when you said that cloaking thing I tell everybody think of the, you know the first predator movie where this thing is cloaking itself basically camouflaging itself oh uh, and it and, you know once yes. they know what to look what, for they realize how so to find it on. yeah and everybody thinks of that as total sci-fi well, because it was a movie but it could be very much real That's really interesting you brought that up because it's not something I, I talk about. But actually, again, um, I am, you know, I, I've done a lot of most of my wood stuff with Jay. I do it with other people, too, as well. But him and I have had that discussion. Mm -hmm. As crazy as it sounds. And the reason is, is because both of us have had the experience, not when we were together either, of seeing what, and this is how I described it. And then we finally said, when we both used that, we we're like, yes, that's the, that's like a perfect example was that movie predator yes. is it looks like heat waves. Yes. It's this kind of clear, but distorted view that has a shape to it. And I've had this, happened twice once was in the woods believe it or not once was coming home and it's we i still laugh about it because i don't know what the heck it was i saw okay. but it was there was something i was coming home at one o'clock in the morning and it's a lot of you know back roads that you'll or, or you know out in middle of nowhere roads that i would be taking coming home mm -hmm. i saw and i don't know what it was something in the road and I was trying to describe it and I said, you know, when the heat and you get that, and it's so hot outside and you get that wave, like, the, you know, off the ground, and was, yeah, yeah. I'm like, I stopped, I got to the point that not only did I see it, I was so 
seeing something that I stopped my car. Wow. I thought I was going to hit a deer or something. Yes. You're waiting for and something to pop out. Like realizing that. that it just, yeah, something, and it dissipated. And I was like, okay, that was crazy. You know, like, I'm not telling it. I mean, I do this, and I'm in the field. I'm like, yeah. I don't know if I want to tell anybody what I just saw. <laughs> you know? Well, you know what? I, kind of thing. It, it, but, it's, 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 it's and, and, and that's why it's, it's really weird, because when you see it first in the movies, you're thinking, oh, it's the movies. You know, it's made up. It's, yeah, that's a great idea, but it's not for real. And then, you, you know, it's almost like, you know how they say that it's art imitating life, but, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you don't know, you know, and you look at that, you're like, I, I know this doesn't make any sense, but this is what I'm seeing. And you're seeing like a distorted way of, it's really, and the best way to, to, uh, and that's what brought in that whole discussion of the cloaking. Here's an interesting thing, though, too, about it, is we have to realize looking outside as a story. Mm -hmm. You know, like we're like we're, I'm telling now, is that if you do look at science, there is, or not even science, but just what we're doing. There's experiments that we that are currently going on at many universities across the country and around the world that involve cloaking. Sure. Who to say that another species in another plane other than our own because we don't you know parallel universe type thing or copy multiverse would be a better way to say it mm -hmm. doesn't have just has that same ability that we have now but has perfected it yes we can do things very similar to that furthermore there's an experiment that is being done uh it was done by mit it was being done at cornell university uh, again, and many other places where they were experimenting in cloaking time. Right. Now, that does sound science fiction, mm -hmm. but it's not. Meaning that they have managed to cloak in a, by extreme manipulation of electromagnetic fields. And they're testing. They have managed to cloak an event so that the observer will never see it happen or, or not. But they can they can clearly through their measuring see that they have managed to do it. Now here's the problem. It's only for like literally a hundred and twentieth of a nanosecond at this yeah. point. That's nothing. But the point is they can do it. Oh yeah, of course. They are active. They can do it for that amount of time to cloak an event and cloak time. What is our capability a hundred years from now? Or, or 50 when we get to quantum computing. Oh, of course. It's almost we, like when you're opening a package that once you can get your finger like in it, you know you're going to be able to open the package. And on that on that same subject, I, I um, a couple of years ago, I interviewed a guest who he, this was during the 90s, by the way, when this, and it didn't happen to him. He heard it, you know, you know, when you work, every, every stuff like this gets around, even though the management is like, shh, don't talk about it. He was working down in the, the Southern California, Ote Mountains area. And he says that when you were new, you got the bad shift, which was overnight, you know, the nighttime. And he says that they were out there basically in the wilderness and there was little or no lighting. That was the whole idea. And he says that there was two guys out there 
and they were being looked at by another guy in a certain distance away with with a heat with a heat camera in other words he was looking at they they didn't have it but they were being looked at there was somebody that was out there watching basically doing surveillance and they start hearing something tramping around like you said uh breaking stuff and they even there was a small creek running through there and they heard something big by the way splash like on the water and they they're looking and they're not seeing anything they, they they're like you know like you're not seeing it or do yeah and they're like all of a sudden they hear this guy that's got the heat camera the raise him on the ring and says i want you to get in your truck and i want you to leave right now and they're like what they and the guy's like i want you to get in your truck and leave right now and well they did it you know like okay so they leave okay then when yeah. i guess the next day they reconvene or whatever you know they didn't want to talk about it like the commanders you know uh, the food chain it was like okay what what was it what did you see out there what what did you t-? of course through unofficial channels because like stuff like this of course was and is still sometimes a career killer apparently the person out there had seen something that was huge that looked like it was hunting them in other words they could hear it but they couldn't see anything but this person was seeing the heat signature from where they were at and that's and it was like i'm not going to try to explain to you that i'm seeing something that you can't see that's why he just told them get and leave okay which and he had some other instances that describe very closely exactly what you were talking about something that's cloaking itself so well whether it's total cloaking or a way of camouflaging into the actual color scheme of what you're looking at that it could be heard but it just could not be seen and i think that uh that that what you described mary is very possible where they're they might have that ability for some reason and also what what you were mentioning um even now there's not only universities there's a, a lot of corporations that now brought you know have their own high-tech labs that are developing oh, yeah. absolutely you know their own version because of course you know whether it's because they want to sell it later on that technology um that sometimes you know not everybody's aware of what's being uh how can i say developed and some of the, in other words i hate to say it, some of these corporations have very deep pockets when it comes to research especially when you're talking something along those lines like technology so i wouldn't be surprised at all of what you were describing that if it hasn't been done it's in the process of being done or even that thing of what you were talking about even if it's nanoseconds that's okay we're on the right track we just gotta go in that direction and figure it out as we go along and again that's what we and like you said that's what we know now oh, yeah. institutions that are not public of course we don't we're not privy to what they've been able to accomplish so there's a lot of very strange things on there that bore that either i don't even I was gonna say border doesn't border they really have crossed over into what most of us would consider science fiction but it's not fiction what do you what do you think about you know, the mandela effect there is there's i'm sorry could you repeat that what do you think about the mandela effect then since we're talking about basically um i think that it is entirely possible okay um again it's one of those situations of 
the investigator or researcher side of me, there's not enough proof mm -hmm. in any way to make any kind of determination. With that being said, there is, it is a phenomena unto itself in that you do have groups of people, not all together, mm -hmm. but as individuals, and that occasionally in conversation will come together. And, you know, I think the example I use a lot of times is um, fruit, this, the breakfast cereal, the box right. cereal, Fruit Loops. Mm -hmm. And that was the first time when it was brought to my attention and, and I said, well, you know, how do you, how does it look to you and how does it spelled? And I'm like, spelled it out, you know, as in fruit loops. And they said, no, it's never been that. It's always been F-R-O-O-T. I said, no, it hasn't. Uh -huh. I, 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 I had no question in my mind. Right. Now, here's the thing. I do am aware because I've studied it, you know, 101 different ways your brain can deceive you. So it certainly could be something on that order. Right. With that being said, I find it fascinating that certain particular products or, or, some, or events, Fruit Loops cereal being one of them, if you ask people, occasionally you will come across another person who, who will remember it the same way I do. Yes. So, again, is it... I, I don't know what to make of it, but I think it is entirely possible that it is that things and events have changed. We wouldn't know it because here's the thing. Let's go back to that experiment I just said. Mm -hmm. In cloaking events, essentially cloaking time that they're able to do, not real successfully for any length of time at this point, but can at least they've got their foot in the door. Right. If they can do that, what one of the things I just mentioned on it is the observer will not notice a difference. Yes. It's a domino. Mm -hmm. It's just going to fall boom, boom, boom due to the time. You know, and so if all, all the time is occurring at once, and we're talking about space-time continuum in space, that means that year one and year 5,000 are all occurring at the same time. So if one changes here, it's going to change all of them. I think what happens with the Mandela is that if this is, an, is and I, I have to, with all the other crazy stuff I talked about, about I have to be, be open to this, right. is that if this is occurring, then what is happening is that there are occasionally a person, just like we're with mediumship, who can sense energy changes, right. somehow has fallen through the loop. And they yes. have retained a double, either a double memory or a memory. Yes. And they did notice the change. Right. And that's the thing about you the know, Mandela it, effect. It, it, Usually you notice it after it's changed. In other words, you never know ahead of time. I'm going to observe this. What, let's say the box of cereal, whatever. So in other words, you notice it after supposedly it's different. So it's like, like what you were describing. Is it Mimi? Is it my memory? You know, I'm so certain that that's not what it used to be or spell. And you're like, but then you start questioning your own memory. And you get that. Right. And then, like I said, you have the phenomena where that, you know, one in 10, I don't even know what it is, but 10, 15 other people have that same memory. Exactly. And then it becomes intriguing to, well, 
how does this happen? And it's not something you question. Who's going to look back at, uh, you know, something like Fruit Loop cereal, unless it's brought to your attention? Yes. And, you know, it'd be interesting for your the, the listeners, if they yes. if each listener were to question themselves on that, I'm sure that there's going to be a certain portion that are going to go, wait a minute, it wasn't always F-R-O-O-T. Right. I, you know, I ate that cereal. Yes, I looked exactly. at the box every morning, you know, whatever it was. Exactly. And I didn't even eat the cereal. Right. So, again, it's not something that comes up in conversation. No, let me tell you something. I, I remember it as F-R-U-I-T. I remember it as F-R-U-I-T. That's fruit, like as in Fruit Loops. And, yeah. It, and, again, it's like. Isn't that strange? It's just so strange. Well, and I don't know if you're familiar with that movie, the, the trilogy, The Matrix. Um, and there's one part of it where, basically, they, you know, when they go into this Matrix world, the, the people that are involved in it, one of the things they realize that they've got that, that, that something's coming through that from basically this, I guess this outside world is a matrix is make believe is when any of them experience a moment of deja vu. In other words, if they see, let's say, well, it's actually the scene that they show in the movie. You see a cat going across and you have, you know how you have that moments of deja vu, like, Hey, I've seen that before for them. This was like uh, basically a hiccup in the matrix that something was going to come through. And then, of course, you know, of course, it's what we were talking about. It's Hollywood's version. But why is that so far fetched as far as explaining moments of deja vu Uh, or those feelings of like, I've said this before, I've been here before, even though it might be seconds only seconds or moments where there is some crossover of one version of that reality that has happened before and you happen to have been the one that experienced the earlier version and now that's why you're going hey wait a minute uh i feel like i've had this conversation before yeah it's almost like it triggers in your brain something where that identical sequence of events or moments you're like this is weird so yeah that's it's a it's a very deep rabbit hole how's that yeah, I. There's, yeah, there. I was just gonna say, you know, there's. If you look again towards things like, one, if something changes, way we've talked about like the domino effect. In science, there's something called um, spontaneous self-organization, mm-hmm. and that will occur when in you know when these types of things happen. So it's like a reorganization. In the, you know, nobody, in the case of. Uh, um, Mandela effect that, you know, again, we w- or any of that, you would, right. the observer wouldn't know because there's been a spontaneous self-organization when something changed. Um, I don't know. You know, I just, I'm just going through the whole thing because it's an observer. It basically is the observer effect. If you get into, and I want to get, I always say this because I don't want to get too heady for people listening, but there's things when you're dealing with the Heisenberg uncertainty principle mm-hmm. or Schrodinger's cat and quantum entanglement and uh, you know that type of thing is the observer having the effect it's interesting to me because when you have situations like this and you're talking about like the matrix Mm -hmm. um, 
and you've picked Schrodinger's cat. It, it, it exists in all states. How does this apply to the paranormal? If it exists in all states, and they know that the observer, the, the simple act of observation right. collapses the choices into one reality. Mm-hmm. So you're basically, per, that's the principle in a spiritual sense that people say you create your own reality. They're not wrong from a scientific right. perspective. Furthermore, if you're dealing with that type of thing is of superposition, where it's an existing in all states and that the, uh, the idea of observation calls it into one reality, that is kind of the principle behind the whole matrix. And you could say it jokingly, but right. if we are learning this in science now, what does that mean for us? It's the old joke of, well, then who's observing us? Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, kind of thing. Right. And in other words, each and person's reality is its own play. dimension, is what you're basically saying. It's like, because we always want to group everything. Yeah, maybe at, at a collective level, we're all experience a certain reality. If, let's use the word reality or dimension. But what if it comes down to, like you said, each observer has their own version of whatever that was. And that's why you'll have some person that will have the deja vu moment. And the rest of the people present are like, huh? <laughs> what? So, God, yeah, I, I, it, it's. Yeah. It, but, and, and you know what? And the when you think it's about it, though. It's enough to make your head spin. Well, and, and this is, you know, because sometimes, of course, like you said, you know, we want to know more. We want to understand more, I guess, is basically the, which understanding. But then you think about it. How much knowing of certain things would enable us to live our lives without having our heads explode? <laughs> How's that? <laughs> you know, as far as regular everyday life. Yeah. You know, like, let's say, you know, physics tells you, hey, that table, even though it looks really solid, really isn't solid. You know, okay, how much of my time am I going to spend looking at that table or that desk or whatever, or the house around me and say, you know what, this is just, this is really not solid. Okay, I, sorry, you know, I got to go take my kids to school, for example. So it's like, I understand the thirst for knowledge and right. understanding, but as long as it doesn't get in the way of actually living, and it's 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 it's, it's a weird economy. Like, where do you go with this? The thirst for knowledge versus living your life with the senses that you have that we're allowed, you know, that we commonly use. Right, and. How much of it, yeah, and you have to do it. You have to let the other part go because otherwise you could drive yourself crazy. Yeah. I think in, in dealing with this type of topic matter because then you, this almost then crosses over into other, all of, it does cross over into all different types of phenomena. But how much of a part do we as individuals, our mind, our consciousness, really do have in creating again the reality and our perceptions of what reality is meaning what there is a unidentified not usual type of energy in front of you you can't see it maybe you're you're feeling it you're tuning into it or maybe you do Mm -hmm. but you're going to use what you your level of understanding is what but our educational level of understanding things is and so on in that order. 
And where I'm going with this was, again, to talk about our part, how strong of a part do we have in what we are seeing, in what is our reality. Uh, for instance, looking at things like you rarely here in the States hear someone come across talking about that, especially if they're not, if it's not a psychic medium, almost never. It's so very rare. However, you go to the UK or Ireland or, you know, mm-hmm. and so on. You have the, pre- the prevalence of them citing that type of entity right. is, you know, quad- more, 10 times ours. Yes. Why is that? Are they crazy? Are we crazy? Or we're seeing things, we're getting the same energies, but perceiving them differently according to our cultural beliefs and knowledge. Yes, absolutely. So if I were to go to, and I'm going to say Ireland, and go to some place where it has a known, you know, by the locals, is known for sightings of fairies and known. Mm-hmm. Is it possible that I would go to that same location and I would see a ghost of a person? Right or something other you know what i'm saying so some of what we're seeing is i think we're perceiving it according to what ever our and that's why culture becomes really important in a paranormal field it's understanding to what my belief system is and what knowledge and memories i have to be able to relate this to something because we all that's what our brains do they try to figure stuff out right right and and, and so i i think it's real I, to- I totally agree with you as far as cultural beliefs, expectations, or what, you know, what Einstein said as far as friendly or unfriendly universe, you know, whether it's the same thing, but it's how you perceive it, that you reach a certain conclusion. Or like you said, we're all subject, but because we see it through the lens of expectations or, uh, you know, maybe what you've heard since you were a child. I mean, it could be a million things that influence what you actually see or perceive. Yeah. And so, again, I always try to, like, particularly in the classes, to really give a sense of empowerment to people, the students, because whether you're dealing with a ghost or you're dealing with with, uh, whatever type of phenomenon, uh, you really understand your part in this all. You're not just the observer. You're not just a bystander. You are part of the equation. To what degree, we don't know yet. But, you know, I think that our conscious minds are able to create much more than most of us are willing to give ourselves credit for. And then, in general, I will say this about what the whole paranormal field, and that includes, you know, I, I tend to include all the other cryptids and all that into it, is that I think a lot of what we don't understand and we consider supernatural or paranormal isn't really paranormal at all. Exactly. It's normal. We, science just hasn't caught up to how to explain it yet. Someday, a lot of it will, I think, be explained. Some will remain mysteries for maybe, you know, thousand years to come or may never get an answer. However, I think a lot of what we 
are are toiling with and struggling with right now is normal. We just le- we just need to learn that it's normal, yeah. and w- and how it works. We just our knowledge hasn't caught up yet. Oh no, no, yeah, it's gonna ha- we're gonna have to really, and you know, and I think it's a it's a slower process um, where people it, it's let's face it, you know, we're creatures of routine of what we know. That's how we function best, and. I think let's I'm going to give a perfect example, even with all this information that's coming about it, whether it's UFOs, whether their origins are us or extraterrestrial. I think that moment that we actually saw concrete proof, there's a lot of people that sit there in the corner and go, oh, no, you know, they couldn't. A lot of people could. Some people would do that for 24 hours and then say, "Okay, wow. And then there's the people that it's like, "Okay, if UFOs or extraterrestrials are real, what else that I thought didn't exist? does exist or could exist so i think it would be a process through maybe you know before uh we would be able to function normally you know within what we because we kind of want the safety of our beliefs because even when they come out with it like you said cryptids or cryptozoology it's you know oh well yeah it could be but let's face it nobody's ever produced the concrete undeniable proof that this is real and then that opens the door right. to so many other things. I think a lot of people sometimes, which is, I, I'm not going to say all of them, but there's a lot of hardcore skeptics that that's in reality the root of their skepticism and that they're unable to even entertain the idea that it could be real is because then how can I function in this reality if that does exist? You know what? That is, that's very true because I... I used to find when I would work a lot of, you know, family home cases for uh, being called in as a paranormal investigator, mm-hmm. is that it was generally the male head of the household who was the most skeptical. Yes. Uh, and you know what? And it's a good thing. I'm a, by no yeah. means am I cr- criticizing it because I'm skeptical. Even when I get my own stuff where you see someone else's, we are all about the our, the experiential, our own experience. But the thing was, is that their idea was, is that I need to be, protect my, my wife and my children, my family. Mm-hmm. If they acknowledge, but they have no control over what's going on and things are going wrong or people are getting, you know, scratched or, or, or abused emotionally, mentally, whatever the case is, scared. Mm-hmm. And they don't know how to fix it. Yes. So if they admit that this type of thing is real, even when they've had their own experiences, sometimes they won't really admit it. Yes. Then they are confronted with, well, now what do I do about it? Yeah, that, that's and the question. There isn't anything they can yeah. do, and they feel helpless. And that's not a position people want to be in. No. Yeah. You know, they want to know. And so I think a lot of times the skepticism comes from not necessarily an educational viewpoint mm-hmm. on their part. It is simply a control factor that they subconsciously or consciously need yeah. to do this to maintain, yes. to keep going forward. How many people do you know that were not believers until something happened to them oh, or yeah. repeated things happened to them and then... They're like, yes. they want to 
use the word, but even they'll use the word, to become obsessed with the topic matter. Yes. Because they now have been confronted, and now I need to try to figure out what the heck is going on. What did I just see or hear or witness or, you know, what happened? Right. And like that's the, I, wa- I want to disprove it for myself. It. Yeah. Yeah. Or you have right. the other ones who have, that may sometimes that one isolated incident. You know, it's not even one isolated incident. And they tuck it away. And yeah, maybe, maybe when they get older or depending on who's listening to them, they'll tell you the story. And you're looking at them like, and you've been such a hardcore, none of this really exists. And they have a, a le- legitimate paranormal event that they witnessed or experienced firsthand. But somehow or other, it was like, if I put that away and and I just, to anybody that will listen to me, I denounce that all this is, you know, crap, the, the overactive imaginations, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's like, I'm not, if, if I keep it there in the dark, and I never talk about it or admit it, it'll just be there. Right. Yeah. And it just, it, 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 and again, it, I think we all, to some degree, you know, I mean, it goes back to the comment. I mean, they're, they all need to choose our crazy and they just chosen that to that be (laughs) one of theirs. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like, I don't want to deal with this. Right. You know, that, yeah, people just get very stuck in their, and that's the other thing, very stuck um, in their belief systems without any proof, which, again, is that up to the individual? They they could yeah. do whatever they, they you know, want to. That, that's not a judgment on that. However, if you're going to call yourself an investigator, then you better be really investigating. Yes. Yes. Meaning that it's not just what it, because even now, if I try to present something as evidence, as proof, and the, as a peer review, which is what science is about, it's not that everybody's doing it the same way or all believe mm-hmm. the same thing, but it's always peer reviewed for opinions and, and you know, so on. Right that if you're, you're going to do something and it's not enough for the person I'm presenting it to, they still question and go, well, this really isn't, it doesn't sell me on this idea. I, I'm, not, I'm still not buying it. It doesn't mean that what happened didn't happen. Right, of course. Or it's not real. It just means I, as the investigator, need to find a better way to capture and present this evidence. In right. a and, such and, a way that becomes less arguable. Right. And But see, and this is the thing, though, Mary. When you're talking, let's say, something in the paranormal field, and, the, and what you're talking, describing, let's say, something that's peer review. And, of course, we're all human beings. Okay. As much as you want to say your peers are going to be unbiased and maybe they're only looking at methodology, okay, whether it's quantitative or qualitative or whatever, you're thinking they're going to review this based strictly on, you know, what controls, what methodology, how did she come up with her conclusion, hypothesis, whatever, whatever, whatever it is that you're presenting. But I think that always you have to be a little bit careful because you're going to always have maybe one of those peers that supposedly is looking at this from an unbiased point of view is not truly deep down inside unbiased because maybe of their own yeah. personal experiences or they grew up being told, you know, all the, 
you know, where they, they somehow they they find fault with it. And, you know, and maybe what you did present as far as whatever you collected is like, okay, I how could you not, you know, depending of, you know, it, it, and, and I mean, that's why I'm saying peer reviews are good, but I find that sometimes it also depends on who's reviewing it. And like, you know, almost like what they, when they pick juries that you're supposedly have no, uh, that you can look at, you know, the, the, what's going to go on and not have any type of bias one way or the other. Sometimes I think some, yeah. that you could c come across that with people that, or that you're challenging something it's let, let's go in the scientific field that goes against what's been the long-standing belief or rules how's that you know this is the way yeah. it was and you're challenging it and that makes us uncomfortable and, because we've believed this for the last 40 years yeah and you know what and i get that that's hard it's hard because we're most of us are not in a um are not in a position to have, I'm sorry, <laughs> we're sitting here during the middle of the call and somebody just came here and I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> caught me off guard. Um, so um, I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> well, no, you know what, when we were I talking about that, we were talking about it. And, and I guess my point was that when it comes to something paranormal, you have to be really careful because you might get that extra unbiased person. If maybe something, some other subject, you wouldn't. But because of the subject yeah. matter in and of itself, you have to be really careful that who, the person that's looking it over, trying to give an assessment or constructive criticism or whatever. Yeah. Mm. Well, and that's the key. It's the constructive criticism. I think a lot of people lack the finesse for that. Yeah. Because we're not in jobs we're not scientists but we're doing you know generally doing peer review it's right. also really really hard to accept criticism constructive or not yes. and so a lot of this is like you can get the person who's like well i took this photo and i'm sure that this, it's not it's not right. orbs that you know these orbs are the spirits of my family you know that were there right. you can tell them anything you you want to tell them they're not going to hear you they're right. going to they want to believe what they want to believe so i gave up a long years ago trying <laughs> to say well here's the the 10 just you might want to entertain these other 10 possibilities first right you know beforehand and they're like nope nope i you know and i well i've had an expert look at it okay who's the expert bob the steel worker <laughs> Or are we talking about exactly? You know, and and that goes for me. If somebody were, to, you know, any of us in referencing, so I, that's why I always push for things on the science side. I would love to see this become its own field. Yes. You know, yes. I've worked with the colleges, and I know I've heard even actually just recently saw some conversations about accreditation and stuff. Because there's some ridiculous things going on with people getting, you know, I'm certified paranormal investigator. You're not, nobody, there's nobody that can certify you at this point. Of course. Because I've had this discussion with the college of how can we design a program that can be accredited through a, you know, 
a college institution. It's really difficult. It's hard to appease the world of academia, you know, so to say. And the only thing I can think of is designing it in a pyramid fashion in that you can take all these other mm-hmm. related topics right. and then tear it up to where you get to, you know, and I, I try to, but it's, it's, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of, um, yes. of time that the, the universities aren't willing to put into that right now. You know, you do have parapsychology that does encompass much, most of what we talk about, but maybe not the specifics, but the general, you know, ideas of things. Um, and a lot of their focus is also on the, on, the, on the actual human being the agent of what's being produced versus, let's say, a supernatural agency. In other words, right. whether you're talking kinesis, you know, psychokinesis or, you know, in other words, that it's not really supernatural because maybe they don't understand how it works, but then you're the one that's, or the human, in other words, is the one that's producing that effect. So, I mean, and that, yeah. again, we're and, cutting and the supernatural out of it. they study a lot of history. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and so the parapsychology is probably the closest we have, but there's a lot of really theory and history there was a lot of experimentation so even in that field mm-hmm. it's gotten a little little iffy a little loose on how things are what's being acceptable and not as much being done in ways that it has been done before as far as experiments yes. um but nonetheless i mean it, it's a it's a solid it's oh, starting yeah. point yeah. we're going to go round and round in this field if we don't Start and then this just sound weird. Just being a whole lot more tolerant and nicer yes. to each other. Yes. And the reason is is because if we want to get to a point to be, I've had over certification. We have to change a lot. Yes. And over the years, I've had three different organizations or people approach me that wanted me to either be involved or just to advise them or whatever the situation mm-hmm. was in re- in starting basically a internet website of serious science st- scientific study with peer review okay and my answer to them which is you know rather blunt and not what they want to hear and i of course will go into a very lengthy explanation if asked but is it's not going to work and I just think like I'm being negative and I'm like, no, and here's why. Because I've learned the different factors of people, what the issues are, which they may have with it or not have with it, mm-hmm. we're not quite ready. So again, here's what could happen. You have people, we can still be the investigators and researchers on the front line, yes. but I think we need to report it up the ranks to hopefully someday scientists to now pick it apart whether that's in the field of theoretical physics or if we're talking about you know neurology talking about the brain and consciousness for them to weigh in and design and test things in a way that is acceptable to the general populace um it's it's such a difficult thing oh yeah but yeah i mean the thing is is that you go 
you know, you have eight people on your team and you go into a location and you walk out and you go, well, that, you know, whatever the, the event that happened, happened, and you say, well, that was strange. That, that, that just is impossible to happen. I don't know how that could. Do you? Do you? Do you? And all eight, eight people don't know. Mm-hmm. That's still not good enough. That right. Just because I don't have the answer or no and you don't doesn't mean that there still isn't one. At least a reasonable possibility even. So you have to go, we have to go outside of ourselves to find the answers. At that that point, if you really cannot, if you, uh, you know, I had a case once that involved uh, a location that was a combination of things. One, they started holding demonic, uh, satanic rituals in order to drum up activity for business. Oh, oh boy. Uh, furthermore, they, the caretakers who were there were lying about some stories. They had all kinds of newspaper clipping, census records of who was there and what location is that. But the one big story this location had involved this girl and a fire Okay. They just, they didn't happen to have anything on her. But there was this old lady across the street who, who was like 100. She died, though. She remembers this girl. You know. And then proceeded to go on and talk about how she died in this fire. It was impossible. Because they had clearly said, no, the layout had not changed. So that Therefore, that means... I don't understand how she got trapped in the first place because we're talking about an open archway here. But okay, you just got done telling me right. there were no pocket doors. There was this. Are, this is how it looked. But right. now you're telling me this other side door was the actual one that was in the fire. I'm not a fire expert, but I looked at it and said, "Hmm, what I do know about the nature of fire, it cannot happen the way they said it happened." Yes. So what I did is I went to a fire department and talked to a fire chief laid out the scenario form and said, is it possible that in any possible way, you know, the fire could move like this? Or this? He's like, no. Uh-huh. Okay. Exactly. How many people go outside of themselves for those answers? Well, so that's where I just think that we that, need that, to that, push that ourselves. That fits the narrative of what, and, and, you know, nowadays, and I'm going to say everybody with their modern sensibilities, when they say, because this person died in the house. And I tell everybody, Remember, maybe up to 100 years ago, give or take, depending what area of the country, people would have their children at home and die at home. This was normal, okay? It wasn't like where a lot of people pass away at hospitals, you know, medical facilities. This was common where people die at home. And just because somebody died in their house doesn't mean that they're haunting it. You know, this is not because everybody sees it as in. The person died, so absolutely, it's haunted, and they're the ones doing it. And it's like, no. It was common at some point for people to, to, you know, especially if they had some type of illness, you know, like a lingering illness, to actually die at yeah. home. And you had doctors that would visit you at home. You know, you had, you know, it wasn't like before you had to go to see the doctor. Doctors would come and check on you, um, you know, or it, it, and you would die. And it wasn't, uh, how can I say, morbid. That's the word I'm looking for, or the, and you know, and of course you know, yeah. depending also if it, you know you were talking uh, a smaller area where you know they would even have wakes, depending if there was right. uh, 
more rural and they really didn't have per se like we have now funeral homes where you have i said there's you know you can't jump to that conclusion that just because this person died or persons died, that that's makes it either haunted or that it was haunted by that specific person that that's not always yeah. the the conclusion you have to reach be, when is this, let's say if you're doing research or like you said well the history on this place is whatever which sometimes when you do the research you find out that that's not exactly accurate to put it nicely yeah and by the way i do just want to say right now in case there is someone out there named bob who's a steel worker Oh my God! Just pull that name out of nowhere and occupation. Yeah, I, right. don't, I don't know you, and I'm sure you're great investing. I'm not, I don't, I'm not talking about I, you. I'm like, wouldn't it be horrible if somebody was like, yes, now you get, and like, you get hey. somebody. Hey, I, I uh, exactly. Yeah, there's. I'm and I'm positive. There's lots of Bob's and steel workers out there, by the way. So. Anyway, Mary, I want no, to see, thank you. No, I don't even, I, I'm going to be in Let me tell you something. And I was going to say, you know, and I want to put that out there. In this world where somebody's always easily offended, yes, there's some Bob's the steel workers out there. <laughs> or somebody's going to say, hey, Bob, you know that we're talking about you on that podcast. <laughs> what do you mean? Yeah, exactly. I'm like, I don't know any Bob's the, uh, that are steel workers or and investigators. Just made that up. Yeah. Pulled exactly. that name out. Just a coinkity. Don't take it personal. Uh, Mary, I want to thank you so much for spending right. this time with me today and with the audience. You have been absolutely wonderful. And I think you bring a perspective that unfortunately with a lot of the reality TV shows is totally lost when it comes to actually, in other words, you're pursuing the paranormal not for sensationalism, but because you really want to get gather evidence or something, you know, more, how can I say, tangible. Um, and th yeah. th that's sometimes, unfortunately, sorely lacking uh, when it comes to, to getting that, you know. I right. Mean, and we need it. We need it. If, I mean, if you're like I tell everybody, right. if you're really serious about this field and that you're really interested in it, besides, let's say, reading a story about, you know, either a ghost story or somebody's experience with a haunted house. If this is part and parcel of it, uh, wanting to get some type of definitive proof. Beyond, and I know there's people out there that have had their own first ex experiences that they they say, if nobody ever believes me, I know what I experienced. And that's enough for them. You, you understand? That, yeah. like, that, like, I don't yeah. need to convince anybody about this. But for the person that wants to go beyond that and say, I, you know, I want to find a way uh, to get that it, or understand it. Also, understanding is very big. This is the, the, your perspective. What we were talking about is that that's way up there, believe it or not. And it's very stringent, but it has to be, you know, if you want to produce something that that people will believe and that the, the skeptics can't poo poo away. Yeah. And and again, I, I don't think anyone who wants to do it more in a hobbyist way mm -hmm. should be discouraged from doing it. Right. By doing less, it's not anything that's bad. It's just understand your where your experience and you know whatnot in the the field, you know where that is, uh, uh, and what you're doing. And and really, like I said, I think 
even amongst ourselves, it, there's such a di- there's other divisions because, and I, I, I'm one of those people that you, I try to find what is that balance again and not crossing a line between entertainment. Right. Don't and, let me, and, and there's nothing wrong with know, it if that's what you're if you're taking it as that. How's that? You know. Right, because I don't think there's. A, I mean, because I'm guilty of that myself. I, I've gone, I've hosted an event, yes. you know, with their the the person host that they brought in, and even where with this one place, they like it when you dress up. It seems mm-hmm. like that helps stir up. So it's kind of I want to say costumey. Yeah. Well, that you know, I get it. If you're you're thinking serious investigation, this isn't for, This isn't it. Right. But that doesn't mean that the serious ones don't take place as well. Yes, of course. And I think you, you, it is okay for everybody to do it all, mm-hmm. um, but to also understand that when you are dealing with the entertainment side of things, yeah. that you have to uh, understand the fact that that is the entertainment side of things. Yeah. Even in the television shows and so forth, they can be doing the activities real. I don't question what... The people are doing, mm-hmm. uh, but we do know that, produ- that you know, the television producer and editor are going to put together things in such a way to be enticing to the audience. There used to be, you know, years ago um, with the original Ghost Hunters, they always were ending, you know, like go- cutting to a commercial with, you know. Yes. Steve and Tango turning their head going, what huh? was that? Yes. <laughs> and then cutting and then cut to a commercial. And I'm like, really, for all we know, at that moment, that what could have been happening with them, they might have been thinking there was a vagrant in the building or, yes. a, or a raccoon. Yes. And it wasn't even talking about ghosts, but that's how it's edited. Of course. Um, furthermore, about the... You know, um, OTFs, the on the on the fly interviews that they do after mm-hmm. something's been experienced. Right. Some people have the the privilege, I will say, to being able to have only what they want edited and aired. Most a lot, or I don't want to say most, but many do not, mm-hmm. and they try to catch you. It'll be like, so you just had this happen, and so you think it's demonic. No, no, I didn't say it's demonic. Um, What I was saying, and they'll start to reiterate, but it could be demonic, right? Right. You're like, okay. And so the whole point, they're trying to get a sound bite out of you. Yes, yes. And that hoping that you're going to say something that's going to get them in the direction they want you to go. And they're going to pull that sound bite out of context. And that's what's going to air, right? Because they, these so producers—they—they're not there. They're not there for scientific. Aware. They're there for entertainment and to bring back that audience. You know, let's say on a weekly show. That—that's—that's right. that's what their job is. They—they they could be believers. They couldn't be believers, but they really don't care less because they—they they get their paycheck best on, based on. I need to produce a show that's going to be entertaining and that people are going to have that. Oh my God, did you hear, see that, whatever. And they're going to come back next week to see what that team or that person does the following week. And like you were saying, and if we have to edit here and there to get that, Oh my God moment, they'll do it. 
Yeah, they'll do it. And and again, like I said, so even if you're doing whatever it is you're doing, and the amount, and here's another thing that's just gotten crazy, the amount of events yes. that are out there. Yes. It used to be a, a, a oh, cool, this, there, this conference is going on. Mm-hmm. I can get to it and maybe learn some things, see some yeah. Paracelebs, whatever the, your reasoning was, yes. and then and then he had a small amount of events. Mm-hmm. Well, now any given weekend across yes. this country, yes. there's probably fifty different events go- yes. going on. Yes, you can just wait and go to the next one or the next one or the whatever. It's it's getting quite uh, flooded. Oh if yes, you will. yes. And so it's a shame because there's a lot of goofy, you know, just goofy <laughs> people who yes. maybe shouldn't be doing it. And I don't know, maybe I'm one of them for all that that matter. But then you have people who um, it, it's it's just it just becomes an entertainment. Right. And, I, and I just don't want people to lose that passion for wanting to no. do it to learn. Right. Yes. Because... To just learn and understand and and further us along as a collective group. Well, no, the thing is that the the part of this type of entertainment, it's inevitable, it's tied into sensationalism. You can't get away from it. You know, this is not a drama series, you know, drama type of entertainment. This is sensationalism is part of it. it, That's part of the draw. And that's why I think that that in the pursuit of sensationalism, you lose the, the kind of the reality or the let's, let's fudge a little bit on the facts on this. Uh, or let's not investigate because, like you said, well, the stories are that, you know, this lady burned to death. And, and of course, not that's not even accurate. It's like out, out and out. But, hey, that, that story's been going round and round. We're going to go with that because that sounds great. That sounds really scary. Yeah, the ghost of the lady that burned in the house. Hmm. And as far as the shows, I mean, the last one I went to, I think, was Scarefest back in 2017, which was up in uh, Lexington, Kentucky. And that was great. But yeah, mm-hmm. I, uh, I, I get, God, continuously, I get a lot of different notifications, emails of all these different um, events taking place. And you're absolutely right. There's the big, you know, big giant like Scarefest, you know, well-known that have been around for a lot of years. But then you get a lot of events that you're like, Who, who's having that? Where? What? What is that? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I right. know exactly what you mean. And again, you know, here's the thing. Is it a bad... Is it bad no. in itself? No. If there is some of that money, it doesn't have to be even all of it, but at least some of it is going back into maybe the oh, historical yeah. preservation of, yes. a, of a location or something yes. like that. That's a yes. different situation. Yes. Um, and I get that. Um, but just under, I, I guess it's, it's just to know that there is a difference. If I am running and leading a public investigation for some event, Mm-hmm. I that investigation is very different than if I'm doing my own private yes. one, yes. and that's for a purpose. People are paying good money mm-hmm. to come in, hopefully to have some type of experience. My job yes. as that uh, as the guest host mm-hmm. is to provide that. Yes is to help provide it. doesn't mean I'm, you're faking anything or anything like no, that. It's just to totally get them different. involved in order 
Yeah, and just in order to get people, you know, group actively involved, things have to be done differently. And that difference then disqualifies it as anything that could be solid evidence because of contamination. Absolutely, absolutely. There's no getting away Um, from it. I've come out myself where I thought I've gotten a couple EVPs during a public investigation that you know i was hosting and i have to discount it yeah because i don't know it, it could have been anybody and yeah. i just you know we think we're going to remember everything we don't um but it, but you know what then people i mean i just talked to somebody um this morning that was talking about uh which was phenomenal for them is that uh, they were holding a group um event and they always do like i want to say they call it investigation but basically train to contact the different spirits there and they a group of people visually with their own eyes saw something twice move around like significantly okay that's phenomenal that rarely happens wow but that's super cool and i'm so i think it's phenomenal they had that experience um Unfortunately, there were no cameras on it at the yes. time. So that happened to be not caught. But, you know, again, people are going to have true and real experiences. Oh, yeah. It's just that it doesn't constitute a proper investigation. There's just a difference. Well, you know? uh, uh, for example, I interviewed um, um, this gentleman. His name is Alan Pacheco, and he's been running um tours out of santa fe for over 30 years so and he encourages people if you ever you know he you know he's got it's even though it's a a ghost tour he does the the history because of course he's very well versed in it when you do something and he's a native you know he's his whole family as a matter of fact is from santa fe and you know when you know you tell people send me photographs or tell me stories and he was telling me he's had a lot of people that have done the tours which have come up with extraordinary photographs or first-hand experiences and all they were doing was joining going along with the tour now why that one person standing next to the other one has that experience who knows but like he says after so many years of doing this and getting photographs and his you know people following up with him and telling him hey you know what i captured this whether it's an evp depending on what they were doing or a photograph or you know even filming because nowadays people do that too it's like some of the stuff that they've captured is very compelling uh, it's just that, like you yeah, said, I w- I agree with you on that. A lot of times, your participants, because it's, I think it's a statistical thing too. Yes, is that if you have a lot, the more people you have coming through, and the more people snapping photos and whatnot, instead of just doing it one night or two nights or three nights in a row, but over a course of a year, how many? hundreds or thousands of people you've had come through there exactly that are doing it it ups the chances of capturing the whatever the phenomena is when it is occurring Uh, uh, um yeah i mean so i think it's true some of the best evidence i think that has been presented has been presented by someone just participating incidentally incidentally and the problem with it is though of course yeah it's like, yeah. You don't know what they were using. 
yeah. when they captured it. You know, what, what, were, what were the circumstances? And that's, that's where the problem lies. Absolutely. Of course. But at the same time, yeah, but, but they, of course, it, like you said, because of the circumstances, you're, it leaves the door for the skeptic to go, oh, no, that was the whatever, whatever, you know, the lighting, the lack of it, uh, whatever, you know, no, that's not really, con that's not proof in that. But uh, yeah, it's, 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 I think it's a very interesting mm -hmm. field. Uh, and even when you put in the parameters of, you know, within, you know, scientifically, what's, what's, what's provable, which, you know, we just haven't gotten there yet. I think it's just a matter of time, though, I think, eventually, before we get there. Yeah, I mean, you know what, here's the thing, and I think it's it, the, the big thing is, is that more and more of your average person, meaning somebody who's not in the field, per se, it's just becoming a very ca more casual, common conversation to talk about all these things, which didn't used to happen. That in itself is huge in pushing us forward. Exactly. Because people are accepting it. Yes. You know, yes. one of the, the things that early on uh, that I had learned, and I actually learned this from a cultural anthropologist at the college where um, I started the Paranormal Studies program, is there are two things throughout history, throughout written history, and actually preceding it, actually, because the, some of that lore is is then turned into, you know, written word later, is that there's only two things throughout history and throughout every culture on this planet. Music and ghosts. That says volumes right yes. there. Yeah, that, right. That, though, that that is something that is just common. So I think it's really good that we're able to have these conversations now. Uh, more people are open to it. Mm -hmm. um, and hopefully that just keeps push, pushing us forward into the right way. I, there's, I learn all the, I'm learning all the time as our other yes. people as we go. We learn from each other. Uh, you know, and maybe it's a, a, a new theory, a new technique, a new piece of equipment, whatever it is, you know, and that's how we move forward. Yeah. And I, one of the reasons in studying and starting the, par, the teaching the paranormal studies from what I do, because I never started it like a lot of these um, events or will have, you know, teams and this is, you know, paranormal 101. Mm -hmm. This is what we do, and here's the piece of equipment and how it works. Um, I wanted to encompass everything from science to technology right. to spirituality to culture to history, all of those in putting it into trying to get a bigger, clearer picture of the paranormal and what we maybe need to do and where we need to go with it. Absolutely. Uh, because each one has its own value. Oh yeah, of course. Of course, it's it's just like, like in other words, it's the paranormal is just not that orb <laughs> that people like before was like, I, I caught an orb. It's like, okay, whatever. But yes, it's, it's and then, then of course it begs the question, which I think is sometimes why a lot of people lean one way or the other or not at all is, 
the, the thing is what becomes of us after our physical bodies die. And that I think scares also a lot of people like this, okay, you know, then can you get stuck? Do you go to heaven? Hell, you know, I mean, it, that, 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 it just, then it just goes off into what I call the never, never, because a lot of people is like, once you accept the existence of the paranormal or ghost or, you know, visitations from people that have passed on, then what does that say about what happens to, like you said, the spiritual aspect of your belief system. So yeah, it, that could go off like for a lot of people in a lot of different directions. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And you, and again, you know, there's things that you, um, you know, you can think, and I, I will say a lot of them, again, that, that going back to wanting to educate really comes from, here's the, you know, 101 ways I did this wrong. I'm going to save you this so we can start yes, out exactly. at a, a further point along, you know, exactly. and it, you know, it's not because you're saying you're, you know, necessarily some type of, you know, expert, mm-hmm. uh, but there is something to be said with experience and knowledge, oh, yes. because in the field too, that's always an issue, right? If you were on social media to throw out the word expert, <laughs> you will have, you know, a hundred people jump down your throat. Right. Yeah. There are no such thing as an expert. I said, okay, you told that to your doctor the next time you go for surgery. Well, because again, we'll get Bob, we'll get Bob the steel worker to take your gallbladder out because apparently (laughs) your doctor is not as, yeah, poor Bob, right? You know, your, your doctor is not experienced nor educated. You know what happens though? There's people there. Mary, I think that the problem is that there that happens is especially in this field. I'm gonna let's go. That people claim expert knowledge when they're they're not. In other words, some people become expert. How like how did you become an expert? <laughs> how did that happen? And I tell people a lot of times, especially in this field, I, you you made a, you just said that word field work, field work, field work, field work. There's something here in the process of learning that involves besides looking at shows or reading or whatever you have to do the field work which is going on these investigations whether it's a residential investigation or historical or or the open field or or going out of you're doing something with a cryptid thing you have to do and go and experience the duds what i call the duds which is like okay there's nothing here okay uh being open to the possibility of nothing there supernatural in other words but that's how the process of you know in other words you don't become an expert from just reading books i guess is my point but i think there's value in it oh no i think absolutely there's there's a lot of value but it also depends what is it that you're consuming as part as and and by this i mean let's say you're reading materials about people ghost stories or people having their first-hand experience but then if you're really serious about this, you need to look at uh, aspects of human behavior and the way the mind works that could wor- could lead a person to believe this and when in reality it's not. In other words, look at the complete picture of how somebody that says they had a paranormal experience where it could not, might not be a paranormal experience, you know, whether it's mental illness or the side effects of a drug or something else, you know. In other words, you you have to be like I've got to look at both sides, like you said. 
the real ones yeah. versus it, an effect of something else. And I do understand too that there are, are people who, but again, it's not really. Sometimes I question is it's, it's not the individual because I I would without even saying shows or names or gender, but there has been recently some things that I've seen on television mm -hmm. by people that I that I'm acquainted with. Okay. And seeing paranormal expert. Okay. And under their, that's their name. And they're far from it. They're yeah, exactly. casual. That's this, a... this person is a casual investigator as far as going out, does have an interest on it. Maybe, you know, has some other toes in the water in other areas. I've never even thought of the person as an investigator. But yet right. here now they're on television as a paranormal expert. So I do get the idea that it can be misused. Yes. But I don't think that people can discount experience and knowledge. Absolutely not. Either. Absolutely and that not. comes from time. Yes, it you, does. You, you look at somebody, you know, you know, she just passed away. Rosemary Ellen yes, Guiley. She just You're going to tell me she's not an expert. God, no. She's been, God. She... No one can tell me. With her, her background and her exposure to both text knowledge, group knowledge, yes. field knowledge, yeah. hands-on, all of it. Her research was incredible. You, you're, so you're going to tell me that the person who did this for, you know, I don't even know how, how many years, probably 45 years or more, who God knows, um, is not an expert? Well, no, and that's and that's something that's that, that not you right. make. She's entitled to have that. Oh, absolutely, and that's my She's point. She's an expert, like you said, because especially of this field, there is no certification. Let's say, like you said, you know, when you're an MD, you go through school and you get your, you know, yeah. your degree and you're officially. But let's say in this field, there is no something, and that's what my point was to become to really be an expert. That you could say, if you were going to be truthful, it would be somebody. Let's say like her. It, there's no official, uh, but you know what? The, the the field work, the research, the first-time experiences, the interview of different people retelling their experiences after so many years. Right. And like you said, there's people that they haven't done, uh, uh, for you know, nothing compare in comparison. But then they they're they're considered expert, and it's like, no. By this, I'm not talking expert means that you've been out there right. seeing both sides of. Of all the variations, because God knows, especially in this field, there's so many variations of people having experiences, whether it's just auditory, dreams, uh, uh, first-hand solid apparitions, like you said, that you actually believe it was a real person, to something that yeah. was see-through. I mean, there's... But yes, absolutely. I totally agree with you. That right there, she's the perfect example of an expert in the paranormal field. Truly, truly one. And yet, people will say no one's an expert because you can't, because you don't know everything. That's, that's baloney. That sentence in itself is baloney. And wow. I call that one out. Why? Because you, you, if people are having, if they're having, you know, if they're like, no one, if they don't know everything. We could apply that to every single field we have in science. Oh, sure. Of course. 
No one knows what. Why is it called theoretical physics? Because it's theoretical. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, or why? Or even if you go to a physician, yes, they don't know everything. There just... are things that we don't we they, yeah. they, we don't understand how our brains work. Anybody. Yes. But you're, you can't tell me that there are certain people who are, have the knowledge and experience that at least where we are standing at this point in our knowledge aren't expert on right. that. So I think that we kind of all, including, you know, and I always include myself in this, need to get over ourselves. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you know, exactly. And realize. Exactly. I mean, yes, it, exactly. In, in this field, especially okay. for all we know, there's a lot we don't know. But that doesn't, but um, I guess yeah. what I'm saying is, especially in this field, there is no shortcut. Oh, also, you understand? What, and that was my point. You can't read five books and then say, I'm an expert. And it's like, not really, because. I agree. I you agree. Know, there's more to it than this, especially um, than reading some books, like the field work. And, and I'm talking about, and I'm not talking about the person that's a legend tripper, you know, I'm not talking about the person that they wants to go on some tours. That's, that's great. If that's what your interest is, yeah. great. But if you're one of these people that says, Hey, I want to be a paranormal researcher. Okay. Then you know what? You're going to have to be prepared to sometimes go on boring things or things that are not, and read and field work and interview. And, you know, before you know it, years go by and then, you know, you start, sometimes hearing things that you're never going to find in a book, <laughs> you know? Right. Um, uh, you know, and again, it is, I think, and that is a taking into account that, that all of it, the field experience along with any type of, of other type of research you may be doing and interviewing and so on, yeah. that there are certain people that, because if we, if, if we hold on to the notion of there are no experts, they're absolutely right. There never will be because oh, yeah. we are never going to know it all. We are never going to be able to accomplish a true university accredited certification uh, because we're, 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 we're kind of, in a sense, sl- sl- um, slicing our own throat yes. or something here by saying that. Um, I think we do need to acknowledge that we are at different levels of experience and education yes. and embrace that yes. and be okay. Yes. I'm okay to say, well, I, you know, on the air in this radio show, I don't know it all. I don't right. have all the answers. Right. You know, no, no, and no. that's and exactly. okay because exactly. that is really how we learn. Of course. That's, of course. that's how we learn. Exactly. And, and as a matter of fact, in most fields of, like, I'm going to go with science, that's usually when they make advances is when they leave the door open for accepting either new evidence or changes to preconceived ideas or, you know, conclusions. And especially in this field, I mean, the field is wide open. For all we know, there's a lot we don't know, but there are degrees of expert within that field just because if you're paying attention and you're consistent and you're serious about it, uh, you reach reach a level of expert within, like what you said, with what we have. How's that? With what right. we have. Again, it's, and, it's, and it's again, a very comparing field. it to like the medical field. Yes. They don't. They know they are 
educated and experienced, but they don't know it all either. The reason is because it's not all known yet. That's yes, the yes, process. There's a lot of there's a lot of stuff that 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 the, even diagnosing that they still uh, sometimes when diagnosing illnesses they still are stumped. That you would think you would think by now, with all the different types right? of tests that could be done. Uh, it, you know, the, the breakdown of the genome, DNA, they, there's nothing that would not be known. And yes, there's a lot of times that they cannot diagnose an illness. And then, of course, how you treat it, something you can't diagnose. It, yeah, and then treating it is an individual thing. So a lot of times now we're working with like what would be considered circumstantial evidence right. or or uh, there's another terminology I just escaping me. I, Part of it, I think I look at things is that it need if it can stand up in a court of law. If it right. can't, then we need to find a better way to do this. Yes. Um, and again, I wish I, you know, I, I'm not, I, I think one thing I do want to make clear is I am not trying to criticize no. because I put myself in the same category as everyone else. Yes. It's just that we need to kind of sometimes take a step back and realize, all right, how do we accomplish whatever the objective is? Exactly. Science, there is not a there is not one right way to do something. I yes. feel the same way about the paranormal field. There's not one right way to do something. There are multiple ways. However, in both of those fields, there are clearly wrong ways. Yeah. Meaning you have to look at your objective. You look at the objective and how do you get there? And and what I mean by that is we don't have all the answers. We don't necessarily have all the right, you know, there isn't one way to get to that objective. But you do need to have that objective. Exactly. You do have to, to have a goal that where you're trying you're to go that direction. To. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I agree with you 100%. Uh, Mary, I wanted to thank you for spending this time with us. It has been absolutely great. Even though I am going to include a link to your website, if you want to go ahead and repeat it for the podcast listeners, uh, what's your website? If they want to reach out to you, get more information about your books or any events you might be at, where can they find that? It, it will be at theparanormalmd.com. I will say up front this year, for the remainder of the year, I do not have much at all. I don't have anything planned, but I will be picking up again next year and should be hopefully being at events and so forth too. And you know, and maybe you have, can meet some of the people would have, be great. I saw by your by the information that you you're also working on some book projects, right? I am. I'm I'm working on the sequel to Continuum, which was really encouraged by the readers. Great. Um, yes. I had one person who was like, you know, hey, I, you know, the ending, oh my God, there was that twist. And then the ending, I just loved it. Or wait, how does that, I loved the ending. Or was it? Right. Yeah, like we want you know, more. And I got a few of those. And that was like, so I was like, hmm. And that spun off into there being a sequel to it. So I know what that's like. Again, Mary, yeah. thank you so very much. And I want to wish you the best of luck in uh, all your projects. Thank you so much. It was great speaking with Likewise. you. Likewise. Take care, darling. Bye-bye. Wasn't she interesting?
I know for my woo-woo crowd going, ah, she's too hardcore scientific. We're going to hear the scary stuff. But reality check time. This is for my really, really true ghost hunter types. He says, you know what? You know, I've spoken about, and I've said it before, the paranormal, it's, it's a weird thing. You know, you've, you're always going to have those of us which, you know, there's the people that are legend trippers or that want to go on a tour and they, you know, they want to hear the, you know, the ghost story or go to that haunted event and maybe capture something and it's really interesting, but that, that, that's as far as they want to go with it. And that's fine. That's fine, you know. In other words, eh, I don't want to hear about science, you know. If I, if I, if I, cat, if, you know, if I get a, a picture, great, or if I film or a VP, wow. Um, or, but... You know, and if that story that they tell me about this haunted hotel that we're going to is not entirely accurate, eh. okay. Then you get into paranormal researchers or investigators, which are more into the sensationalism. Okay, almost in a way, they're like the producers of some of these reality shows, which they want to stir up and get this god controversial or something and proof. And sometimes they're disappointed or. And I, I'm sure there's people that are listening to this, which are gonna or seeing this, that are gonna say, yeah, you know, they capture a photograph of this thing at the window, and you look at it, and you're like, oh, that could be something, but it could be the curtain, and no, oh, it's the lady, in the curtain, you know, on the window, and it's like, nah. you know, or did that EVP that's going that said, get out of here, and you're like, man, it sounds like to me, you know, in other words, they're there for the the wow factor, you know, and whether it's for themselves or for their group because they they want to say man i ran across the haunted place or the and you know and of course we go the ones that go to the extreme of the demonic or the non-human and all that other stuff but i'm going to come back to this is we come back down here to the hardcore investigators or psychic researchers Okay, these are the ones that, and by the way, I'm going to say, and even though she was mentioning a lot of scientific methodology, whether, uh, which by the way, the kind of controls that she's talking about is near to impossible to do just about every place you can think of, whether it's a residential, okay, or a historical site, even a field, okay. Because sometimes there's just no way you can control noises coming from some it's it's unless you're in a soundproof room and you're saying, well, I'm capturing EVPs in a place where I absolutely know that I can prove that there was no sound that could contaminate this from any place. Because let me tell you something, sound can travel quite a ways and of course it gets distorted. Okay, my point being, you can be in the middle of nowhere and sometimes you hear stuff and it's like, that comes across, you know, uh, if you're recording something, it comes across and you're saying, nobody here made that noise, so what is it? But then, of course, you still, you know, that doesn't stop from, let's say, if you're doing an investigation, somebody makes a noise that you can say, that was me. Or that you try to keep quiet. Or that, you know, you, you, you're aware, okay, there's certain things going on here that could account for this and that you're not going to jump to the conclusion that it's supernatural in origin, okay? To some people I know they're gonna say, wow, Marlene, you are taking the fun out of coast hunting. <laughs> Not really. 
not really. It depends on what you're looking for. And I've said this before. If you're into the sensationalism, I'm, I'm raining on your parade big time. All right. Because even if you don't go, let's say, hardcore scientific research route, and you're in there because you want to research, you, you, you want to either capture the evidence or maybe you haven't had that firsthand experience and you want to have that experience, whether let's say you're in a group that you could say, man, this, I cannot explain this. Okay. I understand that, you know, that in other words, you need to have a certain level or standard that you say, if it doesn't meet the standard, I'm not going to accept it as being absolutely no questions asked, supernatural or paranormal in origin. Again, everything is different. I've been on investigations where some person has seen, felt, experienced, heard something that later on was paranormal in origin, standing next to somebody that didn't see, hear, feel nothing. And you say, how does that work? How does that work? How can one person have the experience be immersed in it sometimes? And somebody standing right next to them go, huh? What? And by the way, the person that had the, 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 the experience, it wasn't because they, they were identified as a psychic or the sensitive. Or... And that's a big question mark. That's another thing. You know, us as, you know, we're so fluid. Human beings are so fluid, you know, as far as receptivity why one person experiences something and the other one doesn't which doesn't mean that there's nothing there but that and I, and, and I think where Mary's going with what she was explaining is that if we really want to further the field of the paranormal beyond the reality show standard or uh, some of the because like I said I think a lot of sometimes the studies that they've done at universities or even the military has always been focused more on psychic abilities for the humans remote viewing psychokinesis um, maybe clairvoyance but it's always been the agent has always been the human being in other words does this exist can this person and can we reproduce it can we teach other people to do it is there only one type of person who's really good at it or can everybody like a muscle, can we develop that in other people? Okay. So, I mean, as far as when you look at it from, okay, we're looking at this not from the, the human being being the agent. When we're talking here, uh, the existence or the survival of the spirit of, there's my little dog having a moment, having a, um, you know, do, do we exist after we our body dies? What happens to us? Are we able to? Are we? Do we go into heaven? Let's go. Let's go with the, the, the with that premise. Do we go to heaven? You know, do we go to heaven and and leave all of this behind? The mortal coil. Can we come back? Do we want to come back? Why? Why are ghosts stuck? How does that happen? Wow, that's kind of scary, huh? How much of a choice do we have with what happens to our consciousness, our spirit, our soul after we die? Da. And or 
how much is this part of what we were talking about, what we're discovering now through the study of physics, as far as multiverses, different realities? Does this explain other things? Is it because just because our five senses can't see it doesn't mean it doesn't exist? We just can't perceive it? Maybe for good reason, by the way. Maybe some of these uh, dimensions or universes cannot coexist with us uh, in our reality, our, you know, whether you, you know, maybe at the level or the, the, the speed of our reality of that we're vibrating is not compatible with another reality. Or, um, and I'm sure some of you have seen that movie, The Mist, where, you know, the military opens a portal and you you get these creatures which come over into our dimension and, of course, we get savaged by them. And in other words, my point being that maybe sometimes the barriers or the shields that are up between these dimensions and others, other universes, other dimensions, I'm going to use that alternatively because I'm not really sure. There's good reason why. Because just like Jurassic Park, like that th these big, huge dinosaurs and humans never coexisted because we would have gotten stomped out of existence. You know, well, maybe it's the same thing. Maybe there is good reason why, if they do exist, we, there's, there's a shield between our dimension and that one. And yeah, and every once in a while something sneaks through. You know, whether it's a cryptid or an extraterrestrial or, you know, in other words, so much of it is fluid and unknown. But then at the same time, if you want to move forward in the study of the paranormal, you must have at some point some type of legitimate scientific model that you're working towards. Which, by the way, like I said, it's really hard to do because usually on a model, you need to be able to control a lot of things, especially if you're trying to come up with this conclusion. In other words, I can reproduce this. It's really hard when you look at it. Because, like I said, we're not talking here. Hey, I want to see if you're psychic and we're going to show up these flashcards or I want you to see if you can remote. We're talking here. You're trying to reproduce or have something manifest. Let's say a ghost. Let's go with a ghost thing. That we really don't even know how it operates. Is this an imprint? Is it residual? Is it sentient and as an intelligent? Is that spirit able to engage or disengage and say, ah, you know, I'm not, you know, is it, is it a question of being at the right place at the right time? I, there's so many variables to prove it scientifically, but... I agree with her. That doesn't mean we should stop. It doesn't mean we should stop because sometimes when you least expect it, you know, something is going to happen. And and I say, you know, for all, for all those, I'm going to use Bigfoot, for all those people that are running around trying to find Bigfoot, evidence of Bigfoot, when you least expect that somebody on a camping trip it's going to find the Bigfoot or the or the body of the Bigfoot or some evidence of the Bigfoot. Like when I say evidence, I'm going to go with the, a body. Alive, dead, semi-dead, the little baby Bigfoot. And they're going to come out and go, oh, we, we went camping and look what we found. Yeah, Everybody's going to be like, what? I mean, <laughs> because that's the way science sometimes works. 
sometimes it happens with a person, the people that are doing the field work and, you know, are, are striving to, to go out there and knock on wood and do the Bigfoot calls. And then the, the person going on their annual camping trip finds the baby Bigfoot and carries it out and go, look. And then, of course, you know, from there, we could go a lot of different ways. And everybody's like, ah. So my point being that besides that, you know, whatever your interest is, your level of interest, your effort in the paranormal, you should pursue it. And that absolutely, it's not rain on your parade kind of thing. It's inevitable that in something like this, okay, we do need to have a scientific approach as far as reproduction of it. And by this, not sensationalism, not make something up where there is nothing there, <laughs> not make an EVP something said, which all it is is gargling, okay? Or make a photograph of an apparition when it could be, but it could. in other words, we have to have a standard and work towards it and certain methods that you could say, you know what, I tried to control this environment as much as I possibly could. And I think, I think that's very interesting. I think that's very legitimate. And unfortunately, I think there's very few investigators out there that are willing to go this route because remember, she's looking at this, like she was saying, you know, peer reviewed, you know, uh, actually teaching a, cl a class that, you know, maybe if not the actual degree, but that class would be accredited towards your, whatever degree you're looking towards. I mean, I think that right now about the closest we've got is like she said, parapsychology and even then or folklore, basically folklore is, you're not proving it one way or another, you're collecting stories or belief systems of, you know, certain people, places or areas, certain time periods, whatever. Um, but there's no, but th that, that's the only way we're ever gonna go in that direction. And, and I know that the people out there like, and not new agey, because I, I grew up in the point where the new age movement was coming through. And I, th I think it was great because it opened up a lot of doors to stuff that people go, oh, so woo, woo. And it's great because, you know, new age stores were the ones that were, you know, putting books on their shelves about whether it was ghosts or metaphysics and crystals and uh, uh, ESP, which is fantastic. But it's kind of gotten this reputation of mm, not really serious. Okay, and I believe that the paranormal with the ghosts, let's say the ghost or survival near-death experience, I mean, like I said, it deserves it. It deserves for us to pursue it seriously with scientific, and by this I mean, because everybody's saying, well, you know what? There's a million gadgets now. There's a camera with this and a camera with that and the, and the camera and the, you know, and the, beyond that. Because again, this is, this is the thing about science. The science is not only how you're going to capture it. It's how you are controlling the environment in which you capture this thing. And then being able sometimes to reproduce it. Which that's another one. Okay. But yeah. That that's the direction we should be going in yes that there's going to be a lot of experiences that people have had that cannot be reproduced 
that doesn't make that they're wrong or that they're lying. On the contrary, they're really legitimate. It's like, wow. <laughs> but anyway, guys, I hope you like uh, this interview with Mary. I think she was a super interesting lady. Uh, I have a lot of fantastic guests coming on. A lot of people have been asking me my book. I've got, uh, I'm working on a new fiction because I pushed my nonfiction book about ghost stories further into 2019. I'm hoping by the end of August into September, just about, I'm gonna, I'm um, working on a new fantasy horror slash fiction book that'll be coming out and I don't even have a title for it. I'm still working not the title. I'm throwing some around and every time I think one that's like, man, that's really good. It's like, eh, forget it. I come up with something better. Almost like when you're trying to name a baby that what you end up with is totally different with what you thought was a great name at the beginning. So anyway, guys, thank you so much for being part of my audience. And my little dog is having another moment. That's my little old girl that they're picking on her, my puppies. She's having her little moment there. But anyway, guys, take care. I will see you next time. You are all wonderful.